Welcome to Strung Out, the podcast that looks at life through the lens of an artist. Your host is the artist, writer, and musician, Martin Lawrence McCormack. Now here's Marty. It's the World Roundup. Welcome back, my esteemed co-host and colleague, Sandeep Gopal. Thank you, Marty. It's always great to be here on the show. Sen, you were down with COVID. Yes. And can you relate to the audience your COVID experience? It was not fun. It's not something you want to catch. The long story short is that my wife went on a work trip, met a bunch of people, caught it somewhere. It could have been anywhere. She was in Philadelphia, Dallas, Chicago, a bunch of work parties. Came home and I had 101 fever the next day with a sore throat. And then two days later, my son falls sick. And he's three and a half and he hasn't been vaccinated. So that was the scary bit. And at first we isolated my wife into one room. And then when he felt sick, there's not much you can isolate from a three and a half year old. Certainly you can give him a bowl of soup and take care of yourself, buddy. And yeah, you have to get D- in there. Yeah. DCFS might show yeah, Exactly. Up. It was hard watching him go through that. And then, of course, the rest of us caught it. The rest of us being me, my parents were here. And so one by one, like flies, we all sequentially got it and showed varying levels of symptoms and between a fever, a sore throat. And how did you manage with cooking and things like that? It was just the house just moved very slowly. Our house, like I said, moves like a railway station. The trains come on time and they leave, whether you're on it or not. It moves like that. The dishwasher is always at, runs at 2.30 in the afternoon, whether you like it or not, whether your dish is in there. But this time, everything was running slow. It was like an old communist country, like Soviet Romania, where it might start, it might not start. If the train breaks down, that's tough luck until someone fixes it. So it's like that. Things moved at a slower pace. I hope our Soviet Romanian... <laughs> listeners, listeners are not offended by not this. Not deeply offended we know by Romania that. We... is very efficient, but... Well, the old Soviet days. We are glad to have you back in the picture of health, the whole Gopal family. Yeah, I think it's just a sign of the times that... Yeah, it's a different pandemic. It's, we're all vaccinated. We're all exhausted from staying indoors. We need to get on with our lives. But the virus isn't done with us yet. So we're all going to... It's a matter of time, if not... When, not if, rather. So when you were convalescing, did you have to stop work? I know you. You probably dragged yourself to the computer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was lucky enough to work. I work remotely. I work in software. I can avoid human contact if I want to. And I was lucky that, unfortunately, I felt sick during the long weekend, the Memorial Day weekend. So come Tuesday, I was fit enough to work, but not feeling great. It's, I am vaccinated and so is every other adult in the family. So that, and that think, made the difference. Now they're coming out with the under five yes. vaccine. Yes. So now that free hole. Yes. My son, who's three and a half, can finally get vaccinated. It's still a immune. good idea to get it, but yeah. the immunity lasts for a few months, but it's still good to get it. Will they give it to him? I think they might ask to wait for a couple for of months. For a couple months. Yeah. It's just this, as you said, this is the new yeah. normal, yeah. as people like to say. I was out in Colorado, and I was surprised nobody was masking. I could count maybe on my right hand how many people had masks, and if they were even N95 masks, they were cloth masks, and yeah. it was more just for... Window dressing. People are exhausted. I think they just want to move on. 
like I said, the virus isn't done with us, but I'm hoping everyone who isn't masked is at least vaccinated so that your body is able to fight off the worst of the disease. Let's hope you're not suffering from long COVID because we need you and yeah. your brain Yes. for the World Roundup. The so last time that we talked about the World Roundup, it was the week before Russia invaded. Now, did we do a follow-up? We did a follow-up, but yours truly somehow re-recorded the conversation over that. Mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. But since we started that roundup then, over 100 days has gone by. Seems crazy. But let's start with the Russian-Ukrainian war. And surprise, what is Vladimir Putin saying now? He is now saying that he just wants an empire like Peter the Great. Yes. The ramblings of an old, crazy man who's gone senile or slowly going senile in front of the whole world is what it is. That was always a suspicion. And now I think it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he's nuts. Yeah. He's losing his mind. He's well past his expiration date. He's not this grand scheming Machiavellian leader. He's an old man who should be in a retirement home or in one of his palaces or yachts. Has it surprised you to see the tenacity of the Ukrainian It people? has, yeah. Ukraine was not on my radar. It's not a place that I was following or keenly interested in, but I'm impressed by the resistance. I'm impressed by their leader, the president, Zelensky. Yeah. I think he's been an inspiration. He has really stood out and risen to the occasion. I think we could make a safe guess that Zelensky will be Time's person of the year. Yeah. And history will be very kind to him, no matter what the outcome of this war is. If he goes back to comedy, he's got a sold out yeah, you well, could, uh, yeah. he's a global leader now. He's not going back to comedy. Who's the biggest comedian? Dave Chappelle going back to doing school concerts or school shows or whatever. No, he's beyond that. And I think he's won the hearts and minds of a lot of people. So maybe UN ambassador someday. Who knows? Who UN knows? secretary general. Right now, Russia recalibrated. They are now trying to take the Donbass, that area, the industrial heartland of Ukraine. And surprisingly, they've made some gains Yeah, now that they reshuffled their forces. But following things, it seems like that with the right weaponry, Ukraine might pull this off. Is that what you're seeing? How are you sifting through the propaganda? My sense is that as a war of attrition, Russia is going to throw people and money at this war, and so is the West. America has a lot of weaponry and patience. And as long as it's not American soldiers dying, we're okay with pumping weapons. And one of these, in these situations, it's probably the right thing to do, which is support Ukraine. I think that if anything is that's going to stop this war or bring it to a standstill is the financial hardships that Western sanctions are putting on Russia. That at some point, Ordinary Russians will tire of losing jobs and losing access to the West and losing talent. And they might rise up and say, there has to be some sort of a compromise here where we can pull back, let this madman ease into retirement with his delusions. I don't know how it's going to end. It sure seems like it's not going to end yet because Russia just unveiled their new logo for their McDonald's that they took over. 
don't know if you've seen it, a dot in two slices. It almost looks like some sort of hieroglyphic. Supposedly it represents two French fries and a hamburger. And the French fries are bigger than the hamburger, which kind of tells me exactly what the Russians are going to be yeah, getting exactly. under sanctions. But yeah. do you think that the West is going to get more involved the best thing Putin can do is lay low and fight this low-level war. I think if he continues to be aggressive towards European countries like Sweden and Finland and Estonia, he's going to see a lot of counter-aggression from the West and mm -hmm. it's going to galvanize the West again. I think the best thing he can do is hopefully this falls from the radar of a lot of people, the international attention moves on and he can continue the slow chipping away at Ukraine. Hard to have that happen though when so much grain comes out of Ukraine. That's some, something I did not know was that they supply a lot of wheat and with inflation and food prices skyrocketing, this could be a serious issue. I think that what you might end up seeing is some sort of military confrontation because of that. If Putin does not open up those ports that right now Russia controls, it's very dicey because the minute he opens up the Black Sea, then you have the Ukrainians taking advantage of the fact that they're now exposed. These ports. Erdogan is trying to negotiate something. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Russia has really anything to gain from exporting the grain, yet the world's going to want it. Oil is one thing. Right. Food is another. I read somewhere that they are trying covert moves to sell the grain, Ukrainian grain, and the West is trying to detect that and stop it as a way to turn the heat on Russia. Apparently some shipments to Egypt have already left. And yeah, if you're a country that imports food and your people are starving, there's not much you can do at that point. And it's a tragedy that someone like Putin used that to his advantage for whatever delusions he, he harbors. For a while, you you spent some time over in India. What was the what was the pulse taking the pulse of the Indian people? What did you gather at that time? Yeah, maybe about a month ago. What was the thought about the war? It's been mixed. I think a lot of people who are pro West and that you could it's about fifty fifty. They just they don't like what's going on. They're against Russia. They blame them for rising food prices and inflation and oil prices and all of that. And then there are those, the old guard, that still stick to the old Cold War rules. Russia was with us as a Soviet, and they believe that American aggression with NATO caused this. So they are somewhat right, but maybe there's some peace deal to be made with Putin. It's 50-50. I'm disappointed with that result. I think a lot more Indians need to see the aggression for what it is. But I think it's hard when 90% of your military hardware... And that, that too. A lot of our military hardware comes from Russia. With Western sanctions, this was in the 90s when we had the nuclear test. India pivoted to the Soviet Union and France, Russia and France for its military hardware. And you can't run a military without some support. And from what I understand, Biden's trying to make some moves to sort of make a deal with India to supply military hardware in exchange for more support. But those things move slowly. You can't just replace military hardware overnight. So it's a complicated situation. It's costly too. It um, is, yeah. Somebody has to get paid for that sort yes. of thing. And yes. so you already have the lend-lease kind of thing going on with Ukraine, though it would be probably in both democracies' interest 
Yeah, absolutely. With China supporting Russia, they've clearly picked a side and it will serve India well to go the other way. I think the formation of the Quad yes. in the whole Pacific Rim, Southeast Asia, is becoming that leader that in its own right, in its own vision of how it wanted to lead. Historically, it tried to walk that fine line between superpowers. Yeah, I don't think we were ever an aggressor or a seafaring nation like maybe China was many centuries ago. Unfortunately, India historically has been a Hindu country surrounded by Muslim countries. And that sort of psyche of, oh, we are an island of this one religion surrounded by Bangladesh and Pakistan and Malaysia and Indonesia. There's more of an isolationist, closed off view. Like We don't want to get involved with the rest of our neighbor's problems. But that has to change if we have superpower ambitions, which means doing things we don't like to do. What are your predictions going forward with Ukraine, let's just say a month from now? Where are we going to be at? I refuse to make predictions on the Ukraine war. Things move slowly and sometimes they don't, but I suspect we'll be here talking about the same thing, where there's this low-level conflict. A few cities have been taken over by Russia. They're slowly rebuilding it and bringing them into the Russian fold, but nothing has dramatically changed. My prediction is going to be in a month's time, we are going to see a major offensive by Ukraine backed by Western weapons. And the whole idea will be to start from Odessa and sweep that way. They have to take back the ports before they can really get in toward the heartland of the Donbass. If they are able to get back all the way to the Crimean border right there, they're at pretty good chance of splitting the Russian-held territory in two. After that, it's anybody's guess. It's going to take a huge effort. What's interesting is, though, the Russian military has really shown that it's not a capable modern fighting force. So, yeah, anything's possible with enough help and munitions. I think it's very apt that the Ukrainians have referred to the Russians as orcs from Lord of the Rings because they're very orcish. They don't care if these troops get killed. Yeah. It's just cannon fodder. And they're left on their own devices. When they came into Chernobyl, the cleanup crew had to clean up human excrement in every room. It's just crazy. The fact that they don't have encrypted communications. They they buy a SIM card from the local Ukrainian shop and then call their mothers and give away their location. It's crazy. crazy. And 90% of the chip hardware on some of the most sophisticated Russian equipment is American. Yeah. And another interesting thing about the soldiers are that a majority of them are from the minority regions of Russia. So they're from Chechnya, they're from the tribal north near Siberia. A lot of Russians who live in Moscow, the dominant ethnic group, haven't seen a lot of loss of life. But I think at some point, the the minority groups are going to rebel. And as more people that come from the ethnic, the heartland, the mainland, we're going to see more resistance. So who knows? There are a lot of dynamic pieces to this war. Of course, we've never seen that in American history, where we advise working class minorities while the, the rich, shall we say, Caucasian population was able to buy their way or 
bone spur their way or (laughs) education deferments. So it's interesting to see that they're using that tactic because that's one thing that they are talking about in the news is that eventually conscription is going to have to happen because he's basically drained the bucket. But you think that there'll probably be a revolution before that. One of the things I've read about is how much technical talent people who work in STEM in Russia have left. And that's going to have an impact when you're trying to rebuild an economy. Right now, they're still coasting on fumes, I think, and they have oil and all of that to pump money into the economy. But at some point, that's going to run out. You're going to have to get more troops in and, like you said, have a draft. And uh, my sense is that at some point, if this war continues the way it has, the Russians are going to tire out and ask for change. I don't know how that's going to look, but it seems like Vladimir Putin is an isolated, lonely man, so anything can happen. You heard it here first from our expert, Sandeep Gopal. We're going to take a little break and come back where and talk about the country where all that cheap Russian oil seems to be going. China, you are listening to Strong Out. Hello, folks. The wait is over. Martin McCormick's captivating artwork can now be seen and purchased at the Keokuk Art Center in Keokuk, Iowa. This exhibition of Marty Fine Art runs through June 25th. Visit the Art Center all month long to see paintings, scratch art, drawings, including Martin McCormick's newest pieces, One-Eyed Wolf, 200 Proof, The Thunder Bison Jacket, and the freshly completed One-Eyed Owl. While you are at the Art Center, sign up for Marty's newsletter to be entered in the July 4th drawing for Steel Eagle. Marty has been hard at work, so come celebrate his success at the closing reception, Saturday, June 25th from 5 to 7 p.m. at the Keokuk Art Center. To save and share this information and see the artwork, visit martinmccormack.com. The bridges, they are burning. There's no turning back. We've made this pact together. I see it in your eyes. Our destiny's decided. Our plans yet complete. Even when I falter, you take my hand and rise. You, I can face the danger with you. Darkness never triumphs with you.
Bayuk, and I've got my expert, Cindy Kapal, and we're talking about China now for the next section of our show. China has turned out to be another little empire builder, a big empire builder. The stunning news this week was that they have signed an agreement with Cambodia for a naval base. Yeah. And what's really scary about this to the rest of the world, or at least to the Western nations, is now that gives them a deep port in the South China Sea, a real port, as opposed to those Spratly Island, Mischief Island kind of things that could be obliterated in about 30 seconds. Serious stuff. What is your thought about what's going on with China? It seems we're going to go from one conflict into another, or do you think it's going to happen? I don't want to say it's inevitable. The problem with China is that, of course, they're empire builders. I think they're in a better position than Russia is militarily. And they're a richer country than Russia. And they've obviously invested in R&D and technology, whether it's stolen IP or homegrown IP. They have a lot of it. The thing about China, though, is that they've never been in a major conflict like the U.S. has. And from what we've seen from Russia, experience matters when you fight a war. And they haven't really done that. I think my sense is that they, and of course their their premier, Xi Jinping, is following in the mold of dictators everywhere where he's given himself authority for life. So he's following in that old delusional model of, I'm going to be the next great Chinese emperor. And so will he do something rash and drastic? Possibly. Now, nothing's outside the realm of possibility, he could do something rash with Taiwan or Japan or South Korea. Who knows? But at the same time, I doubt that they are a capable fighting force, given everything we've seen with Russia. It could just be an ugly aggression that could be put down easily. It seems like the Chinese to do that. The way they do it is they come into a country and they give the goods saying, hey, we'll build you a port, and then they give them the price tag. Now, you'd think these countries at this point would be wise to it, but they're not. Yeah, yeah. They get the port, 
and or they get the road through the mountains right. or whatever, and all of a sudden the Chinese are like, we're here. Yeah. And by the way, that cost... Uh, like $7 billion, which is what happened in Sri Lanka too. Sri Lanka is bankrupt and owe China a lot of money. And this is the same case with Pakistan too. China's trying to surround India with a bunch of defense installations, but all of these countries are poor. And at some point the check comes due and you have to pay up and... If you don't have it, too bad. They're going to extract their pound of flesh. They extract their pound of flesh basically by inhabiting that country, right? To some degree. It's an interesting way of waging conquest. In your travels to India, did the Indian people, have they, they have had a lot of conflict with the Chinese. That last skirmish about a year ago, I would say, up in the Himalayas, sounded horrible. And we still don't really have the full details Yeah, it was a brutal encounter between troops stationed there. There's no goodwill in India towards China. We recognize China for what it is. It's a powerful nation, probably the richest country in the world right now, biggest economy. But we also know that if we do business with them, we're doing business with the devil. The same, you can't ignore them because they're your neighbors, but we're very suspicious of them. We don't like them. On our podcast, we have talked about the idea of democracies first. Yeah. That idea of like, why aren't we creating some sort of G whatever of just democracies where, you know, at least then you're dealing with a system that to some degree is not going to be corrupted, even though we've had our own system attempted to be corrupted. Yeah. But that way you could trade with a modicum of safety that you would know that Indian saboteurs are not going to be coming in to steal. Yeah. And if that does come down to it, there's a means of arbitration. It just seems like a no-brainer, but here we are. We're all stuck dancing to China's tune. It seems... there. My sense is that there are a lot of moving pieces to this. Economies are interconnected. It's hard to civilize dramatically like that without having some sort of ripple effects. And so many people are loath to just changing things. Like like India having Russian weapons. Is it easy to, as much as we'd like to cut our ties and move closer to the West, can we really refresh an army or an entire fighting force's hardware overnight without ruffling a lot of feathers? If you have to do it, we'll do it at some point. It's not easy. There's a lot of inertia in some of these systems. It depends on how fast, how much weaponry there is. I don't know if... Indian weapons could be given to Ukraine in exchange for Western weapons. But like you said, it's probably not that uh, calibrated. The gears don't mesh so well. Just to give you a sense of how difficult it is to move pieces, there was an infant formula shortage and America bans imports from Europe. And even though an easy solution would have been, hey, let's just lift this import ban from Europe, there are interests at play in different sectors of the economy where we don't want to just do that and open our markets for something as basic as baby formula. Now you multiply that by every sector of the economy and how interconnected it is and special interests in every democracy having their own set of congressmen and representatives fighting for their interests. It's like herding cats. Okay, I get that. I do get that. And I think using the baby formula example is a great example because who would ever think something is simple is baby formula, but that brings up a whole other thing about why is there only one company in right. the United States of America making 49% of the baby formula? Exactly. It's dumb. Yeah. So you're talking about a monopoly yeah. that should be broken. But in the remaining seconds of this section, I want your prediction, a month <laughs> prediction oh, no. about China. What is China going to do in the next month? 
they are going to lay low for sure and continue to build up their military base, their sphere of influence, as they like to say, without ruffling any feathers. Because if there's one thing they've learned from this aggression is you can't do anything stupid without thinking a hundred steps ahead. And they do have a pretty good sort of military think tank complex in China that will prevent them from doing something rash. Very good. My prediction is that it's going to come to light that China is going to start doing their Silk Road initiative with Russia. They are going to step in as Russia's bank, Russia's buddy, best friend, and it's going to have a terrible price tag that's going to come due to the Russians that will basically force the Russians in time to come to peace with the West. That's my prediction. Will we see it in a month? No. But what we are going to see more of is this aggression toward Western powers, as we witnessed with the Australian Poseidon plane getting chaff blown from a jet, Chinese jet, literally dangerously knocking out an engine. I believe an engine got knocked out or came close to being knocked out. That kind of aggression is bad news because war started on things less than that. As witnessed between the Chinese and the Indians who were fighting with clubs with barbed wire up in the Himalayas. But we're going to leave it at that with China. And when we come back for our final segment on the World Roundup, we are going to talk about what's going on here in the good old U.S. of A. You are listening to Strong Ow. Get the kids' album that makes the perfect gift, Miss Rack's Zoo. Eleven of some of the funniest and heartfelt songs written for your child, or perhaps the kid in you. When is the last time you laughed and learned? Go to martinmccormack.com. Order yours today. Miss Rack's Zoo. Sleepy. Papa, what time is it? Time to get dressed. Papa, what time is it? Time for breakfast now. Papa, what time is it? Time to go to school. There's always some time to make some time and take that time to say I love you. There's always some Time to 
We're in our final segment of this podcast, and Sandeep, when this airs, when this airs a week from now, the January 6th commission will have had, I think, one more, it's once a week, or I forget how this is all going, but it's yeah. prime time, they've got a television producer running it, and you watched some of it. Yeah. And were you surprised to see Ivanka Trump? I, was, I think she had to testify, and they've laid out a pretty convincing case. Again, nothing we don't know. Although I was surprised at how involved Trump and his minions were in the planning of this thing and how close he was to getting his way through coercion and threats and how, how much he hated his vice president. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that insane? It's shocking. I it's mean, insane. Yeah. And I think the insanity is just going to ramp up. I was surprised at the coordination of the ultra-right Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, that they actually acted like military cells. They did reconnaissance of the Capitol building. They did see where the weak places were. Somebody told them which windows were not reinforced. That's interesting. They showed film of these guys coming in like a unit, all wearing helmetical gear. You have the milling masses of crazies but you had these guys very deliberately coming in. But what it doesn't tell me is, what were they trying to do? Were they yeah. trying to get Mike Pence? I don't know. I think that they were clearly trying to foment trouble. I don't know what their final intention was. It does seem scarier now. It seems like there was a contingent of that group that was just rioting for the sake of it, to make a nuisance or to make a scene. But there seems to be this other unit that, is a little more organized and had more sinister goals. And they got close to it. They almost they, pulled it off. It's scary now the in hindsight. The brutality to the cops, I can't fathom. They showed some of the body camera stuff. And the one policeman, she testified, oh my God. Yeah. They knocked her out. She came to. Then they still were beating on her. And then yeah. they... <laughs> Yeah, so much for patriots and chivalry and yeah. all of those old school values that it's they manliness that they supposedly stand for. It's all pro cops, pro law and order. Clearly, that's all nonsense. Right? What do you think about Fox News having, as we like to call them on this show, Mother Tucker hearings with no commercials? Yeah, and they, they didn't broadcast the hearings though. They cut to something else. They had him without any commercials. People couldn't. I don't know what he, I, he must yeah. have been wearing a See, clown that, suit or something. That bothers me more than the people who rioted is that there's an industry with very powerful people who are trying to hide this propaganda. So the people who run Fox News, the people in power, the people in the opposition party, you have to acknowledge that some things are just wrong in a democracy. And it's okay to say the way Liz Cheney says it, that if it's wrong, even if it's in your own party, like you can't hide and cover up for a president or a bad person. And I think that worries me. That cover-up or the fact that they're trying to move on worries me more than the actual riot itself. The fact that also some of these senators asked for pardons yeah. prior to the January 6th commission forming also indicates guilt, right? Yeah, and they knew it was wrong. And the fact that they were willing to move on and let go and be lenient with some of these people. Do you think the needle will move? Do you think the Department of Justice is going to go after Donald Trump for sedition? I don't know. I can't say one way or the other. Hmm. Because I know he is still popular. And there's this chance that Biden might say, for the sake of keeping the peace, 
we need to move on. We'll bring all the evidence, but we won't pursue this any further. What would you do if you were President Biden? Or let's say you were Merrick Garland, who is really the guy. Who's calling the shots. I would follow the evidence, and if someone needs to be prosecuted, they are going to be prosecuted. And it certainly feels like the people around Trump, like Bill Barr, are all willing to testify and say that this guy was really pulling the strings and he had lost his mind. But I'm worried that we might see an increase in violence if something like that were to happen, which isn't a case against arresting someone because that's, there's no reason for someone to get off the hook. If they've committed a crime, they should pay for it. I think he should be indicted. Yeah. I think everybody should be indicted. And if you're going to indict them, you better indict them with the idea of putting them away. Exactly. Like you're saying, if people rise up, they're going to be put down too. And we all know how history plays out. The little guy, the peasants, yeah. of which we are, if we get up with our pitchforks, <laughs> they're going to mow us down anyway. So yeah. you can't let the big guys get right. away with this. And I think an example has to be set. What do you think the next couple revelations are going to be? They might talk about how it wasn't as spontaneous as we had thought it was, that there was a lot of scheming. And I think, I don't know if there's more to that event that day than what we've already seen, but I do think there's some backroom scheming going on with Trump and some of these electors in these swing states where the next election, he could play some serious mischief with the vote count and certifying the vote. And I think that is a more serious issue. And if the commission can pivot to that after they're done with this evidence, I think that would be beneficial. It seems like the cancer is spread and we're in for a very tough summer Yeah, with this whole thing. Thanks. We're going to have to leave it there for this Thank you for listening. I'm Marty McCormack. And I am Sandeep Gopal. And this is Strung Out. Thank you for listening. For more information about this show or a transcript, visit martinmccormack.com. While there, sign up for our newsletter. See you next time on Strung Out. Joyce, giving us that.